Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, welcome to episode 67 of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are having a fantastic start to your week, middle of the week, end of the week, whenever you're choosing to tune in. This week's guest is Mr. Todd Herman. So I'm really excited about Todd, and I'm going to talk about that in a couple minutes. But before I get there, Todd is a peak performance coach and serial entrepreneur who's been mentoring elite performers in the world of sport and business for over 20 years. Through his treasure box of tools and philosophies, Todd is known for helping people achieve their most ambitious goals. So I uh, came across Todd. I was in a entrepreneur event a couple, about a month and a half ago, actually. And at the event, they gave away a copy of his new book, The Alter Ego Effect. And uh, for those of you who, who know me, I mean, I'm, I'm an avid reader, probably read around a book a, a week. And so uh, when I received the book, it was extremely intriguing just because one, the cover talked about how you can use the power of alter egos to achieve anything you want. So I went through the book, read it, and immediately, um, I, I mean, I felt like I came home. I felt like I realized something about myself that I never had really thought about. And so I had to have taught on the show. So I've been accidentally using the power of alter egos, which uh, in this sense, it's essentially the other you. So it's like a character that you can activate to demonstrate the mindset, beliefs, and practices That'll enable you to take actions required to achieve your goals. So, for example, if you're going to go on stage, maybe you can bring on an alter ego of somebody who crushes it on stage. If you're going to go play a sport, like I used to play tennis growing up, which is where my alter ego initially came out, you can bring on the attitude of a of a lion or a tiger or something that that you can bring to the court so that you can achieve your goals. And so, in this way, alter egos are a tool that give you enough confidence to overcome resistance and get momentum going. And it's how they can help you achieve really, really hard things that you might not be ready to achieve yet. I didn't realize I was already doing this. And after I read the book, I realized a lot of incredible icons, both in art, business, performance, sports, use these concepts regularly to perform at peak performance. So in in general, I mean, I was fascinated by Todd. I was fascinated by the conversation more than anything, I after I read the book, I brought Todd on just because I wanted to answer questions that I personally was intrigued by. So uh, think of this episode as an extension of the book, and think of this episode as uh, us going down the rabbit hole with a human being who has been able to really bring together so many concepts. Uh, this book has been in the making for over 16 years, uh, so that should give you a little bit of background into the rigor and the focus and the research that's gone into creating this masterful piece of work. And so I think it's going to be one of the best books in the self-development space. I'm a huge fan of Todd. He's a great guy with a lot to share. And this episode is uh, is no different. So if you once you listen to this episode, be sure to check out The Alter Ego Effect. It's available all over. I think it was just a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So it's a fantastic book. Can't recommend it enough. But Before we get started, if you haven't already, guys, go ahead and subscribe to us on any of the podcast mediums you use. iTunes is a fantastic one. That is my app of choice. Uh, Get involved with us and let me know what you like and don't like. If you learn something incredible on the show, make sure you leave a review with what you learned so that other people can find and appreciate the show. But all in all, guys, I hope you guys are super excited for this week's episode with the legend, Mr. Todd Herman. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. Man, I hope everybody's excited and ready for uh, this week's guest, Mr. Todd Herman. How are you, brother? Raj, it's great to be here. And what are you doing starting things off? Are you like the, the newest rapper on the scene right now? Yo, 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 yo. I could be. I could be. <laughs> I'm actually practicing Stay Grounded is my stage name on a, on a good day and definitely a bad day. 
Uh, so today, mostly the bad day. But we'll see, we'll, we'll see about beatboxing at the end then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Hey, don't tempt me, bro. Don't tempt me. But brother, it is great to see you. I uh, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, you know, I was I was at an event with a bunch of mutual friends of ours, and your book was given to me as a gift. So I thank you for that. Not only for uh, giving me the book as a gift, mm-hmm. but for the content in the book, which it's it's really interesting, man. Like, you know, we, we talk a little bit about this and I want to dive in. I'm going to dive right yeah. in if you don't mind. That's true. I'm just going to skip all the pleasantries and get to it. What was crazy for me was that, and I repeatedly read throughout the entire book that there are people who are constantly and consistently using a variation of this already in their life. How did you bring all these stories together to almost create the actual framework and the concept for the alter ego? Like, were you pulling bits and pieces from your own life, from everyone's life, and then coming together with an actual framework and a, and a language for it? Because this is, to me, it transcends a lot of what everyone does personally. Like this, like you said to yourself, this created the language, if you would. Yeah, so it's a bit of many things. So, I mean, I've had my career for 22 years working with pro athletes, Olympic athletes, public figures, leaders in business and, and whatnot. And, you know, I started at the very bottom like you should. And, you know, I started out working with young athletes uh, back in 1997 and then just progressively moved my way up through the ranks of working with higher quality athletes. Um, And I'm a byproduct of mentorship. I'm a huge fan of finding whoever is the best at something and then going and tucking yourself underneath their wing. You know, so in the kind of mental game split in the mental game space, that was Harvey Dorfman. He's known as you know, the Yoda of baseball and kind of wrote the Bible on the mental game stuff. But to answer your question, so I've done this for a long time. I'm not someone who like started a business like two years ago and then decided I was going to write a book to try to like position myself as, you know, an authority or an expert on something. This book is almost coming more near, not the end of my career or something, but it's a byproduct of working with people one-on-one. I'm a practitioner. Like, you know, when you work with people one-on-one, you really do end up seeing what those people at the the top end are doing differently than the people who seem to maybe be struggling with their sport and then in business as well. And so for me, there was this kind of golden thread that was weaving the people that were performing at a high level together. And it was that they would say things like, you know, I take a persona out onto the field to perform, or I've got a character, or, you know, they would kind of dance around this word, alter ego. And for me, that was exactly what I used when I played um, football. I played college football and I was a nationally ranked badminton player. And, you know, I used the whole alter ego and it was a very natural thing for me to use. And then when I started in business, I looked so freaking young. I looked like I was 12 years old. And so I was so insecure about, you know, how young I looked and, you know, I need to be 40 until I'm respected and I don't have, you know, seven degrees. I haven't worked with a hundred Olympians yet. And, you know, all these different rules in my head of what it means to be successful and listened to. And it was stopping me from actually getting out there because I was just sitting on my hands. I wasn't taking action because I was waiting for someone or something to come along and anoint me as like ready. Right. Um, And that doesn't serve anybody. You know, if you, if, and I was, I, I was, I was, I was really good at working with those young athletes, but it was still stopping me. So I kind of went back to that idea that I had used before and I built this new alter ego to help me get out of my own way and, uh, and get out there. And again, this has nothing to do, by the way, with being fake or inauthentic. This is actually you tapping into truly the only real big superpower that human beings have, which is our creative imagination you know, no one or nothing else on this planet is gifted with a creative imagination like we are to help us suspend disbelief, create narratives and story in our head and alter egos as Cicero, who said it uh, back in 44 BC, who's the person who coined the phrase, who's a Roman philosopher, you know, it's the trusted friend or the other eye. So it's like bringing an ally in between the six inches of our ears to help go and make that happen. So you know sorry, to kind of just to, that was just about to give context, but to answer your question, it's it's a it's about me unpacking it with people that were already using it and finding a process that the elite were already using based on my experience as well um, of using it, and then going to and kind of adding in. Okay, so what is some existing data that explains why this is so effective? Because I'm a you know, I'm more of a data nerd on this. Like I want to see, I want to create proven systems for people. I don't really believe that much. And I don't believe in anecdotal success. Like someone who says, well, I did it and you can too. I've always avoided that with our trainings. Um, And so 
that's kind of how it all came together in the book, you know, 15 years after I kind of started working with people on the idea. That's brilliant, man. And I love the tried and true nature of the the topic, the concept and the impact it's had on others. One interesting thing that I uh, wanted to ask you about. So you specifically use the alter ego as a way to create performance. Like if yeah. you're, if you're, if you're stuck somewhere, it's, it's, it's almost something to get yourself out of your own way. Yeah. But it was a very important distinction you mentioned in there was the idea that this is not a replacement for therapy, but this is no. not a replacement for healing old wounds and different things. How does yeah. alter ego combine and, and, and with, with some of these more traditional concepts of actually healing or, or, or fixing sure. parts of yourself that might be causing the need for an alter ego in the first place? Well, I mean, uh, and not to forget too, an alter ego can also be there just to be more freaking playful, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's for us to remember, and I say this in the book, and I've said this on, you know, tons of interviews that, hey, I didn't invent alter egos. I mean, that's, it's something that's embedded in the human psychology. Every single person that's listening or watching has absolutely 100% used this idea at some point in time in their life. For a lot of people over the course of a lot of their life, they've used this idea. And that's just simply because, you know, we, we do, we play ideas in our head and that's tapping into the idea of an alter ego. So yeah. all I'm doing is I'm giving voice to it, kind of something that you had said at the beginning. But to your point, I mean, I kind of tell people this, I, I did a post about this a little while ago where you know, I'm a byproduct of someone who's been through some you know, pretty, pretty terrible personal trauma in my own life. And so I used an alter ego in some ways as a way to cope with just that sort of mental anguish that I was sort of dealing with at a young age. You know, when you're dealing with uh, the six inches between your ears and it's not the funnest place to spend your time, you know, maybe stepping into the idea of someone and something else so that you can suspend your own narrative and, and sort of live through something else was a healthy way for me to kind of get past or get away from it for a while. Sports did that for me as well. But I say like, don't do what I did. Don't wait so long in order to get help because while I was still going out there and doing the things I wanted to go and do, I could have also been getting help on the sidelines when I was trying to, you know, maybe navigate that, uh, that trauma stuff. So how does it help people though? Well, reality is many, most people, well, everybody has had trauma because trauma is just a, a way that your brain processes a, you know, any event. So a car accident can be traumatic to some people because the cortisol burst that happens in the brain fuses our wiring together to create this little bundle of trigger that's sitting there. Some people have a way bigger trauma though. And while it's nice idea to tell someone, well, you got to get that. I mean, not a nice idea, but we need to get that fixed. Reality is many people still need to be out there performing at their work. They just can't stop their job. Yeah, And so if that trauma is somehow getting in the way of you performing and getting out there, there's a resistance there that's stopping you from doing the thing. You can still get out onto that field and still perform to your capability. And maybe you're just leveraging the help of that ally between your ears of, uh, of an alter ego or a secret identity, help make that happen. And in fact, it's been something that's been used by people for, you know, generations and uh, a millennia to do that. So it's, um, and then when you just think about, how human beings develop. We are constantly unfolding, constantly, hopefully developing ourselves and growing and expanding our skills. And then that starts to close a feedback loop for us of what we think is possible. And maybe at some point in time for some people, they start to see themselves differently. Their, their self-efficacy increases yeah. of what they think that they're capable of. And that in and of itself could be very healing for many people. Because some people are just walking around, they just fundamentally don't believe that something can work out for them. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, I've always believed that when you build self-awareness, you're building, you're building a better understanding of yourself. And by when you understand yourself more, you trust yourself more. And when you trust mm -hmm. yourself more, you create a whole myriad of conversations and, and actions that lead to better performance. So to come back to the idea now that you've seen both sides of the coin, like you've, you've, you've gone through and you've, and you've in some ways healed, I don't, I, if I'm reading by the cover, just say that, but like if you've, you've worked on yourself now to the point where some of the trauma from the past has been healed and you're also using your alter egos and you're growing them and to continue performing with both of these knowledge bases now in your hand, which one do you think is stronger 
And which one do you think leads to more clarity of purpose or passion or fulfillment? Or do they both go hand in hand in creating it? Between, you know, handling the personal trauma and then an alter ego itself. And then just perf- and then getting the confidence, the confidence that comes from just performing through an alter ego. Yeah. Well, I mean, the quote I share with people all the time, because an alter ego for some, for, for many people is often there to help you get past that initial resistance that you might be having around pursuing something that's new. And there's also an element for some people of just not being able to fundamentally see themselves attaining it or going out and executing on whatever that thing might be. It could be going out and speaking. It could be um, going out and seeing themselves as a loving parent because they're just a a type A personality that's in business is constantly challenging, challenging, challenging. And then how they define themselves is, well, I'm a challenging person and I'm a challenger personality type. And so what they do is they codify themselves as a single identity. And so for the longest time in the psychology world, that was actually the, the framework of psychology was that the people who had the healthiest were the mentally healthiest people were the people who had a single identity, a single self, so to speak. And now in my experience of working with people, that wasn't the case. The people that I saw as being, or not, I experienced as being very successful were the ones who lived in context, who were building out selves specifically for a field of play to help themselves succeed. And, and now actually the flip has happened now in the psychology world. And it's a big shift that's happened in the last few years is that they now have changed that entire philosophy of the, of the entire field, which is that people who operate as a single self and a single identity are the people who have the highest tendency for mental health issues Mm -hmm. and the people like depression and, and so forth. And the people who see themselves as, as being multifaceted, multiple selves, those are the people that are the healthiest because if you just think about this practically, I, I, I share in the uh, beginning of chapter three, my friend um, Ian, who was a uh, national champion uh, tennis player. And he talked about when he was uh, you know, growing up in the sport, when he like made mistakes or when he lost, he felt like he was failing as a human being because his entire identity was a tennis player. And that's someone who has fallen into the trap of having a single identity. And you think about entrepreneurs and business owners, they do this as well, where they define themselves as, well, I'm an entrepreneur. And so their entire context of who they are is one single identity. And when their business starts to kind of you know, dip or fall, or they're having struggles, they think that they're failing at life. Yeah. When in reality, they could be still very successful as a parent, and they're still successful as friends, and they're still successful when they show up for their, you know, weekend soccer match with their, with their friends or something like that. We have multiple selves and, and that's a very, very healthy way to think about life. And then what it does it, because it compartmentalizes life, then you can start to say, oh, okay, well, what alter ego could I use to help me navigate this new challenge I might have if you just got a promotion or you're going after a new business endeavor or you're tackling a new sport? Because you're living in context and that alter ego lives on that field. You know, I use it at home with my kids. You know, I am a challenge. I mean, I brought up challenger personality type because that's, that's just me. Yeah. Every day, all, every day, all day, I'm, you know, working with top level people or I'm building programs. And a lot of that is about challenging people's paradigms and helping them move past that friction. The last thing that my kids want is me to come home and be a challenging person <laughs> like them. Yeah. Right. You know, they want fun, playful, get on the ground and play with them, dad. And, and I had that experience where, cause I'm a new father. I mean, our oldest is six, but you know, so we, got th- we got three kids. Thanks. And my middle daughter, Sophie is, uh, got this fantastic kind of emotional bandwidth and she can have fantastic highs and she's got some amazing tantrums. And when she would throw that tantrum, I would just inside just her decibel level would just gear like just grind right through me and now i'm going to meet her force of her tantrum with my force of being like you know dad and my presence is of course a lot larger than hers and all that would do is just prolong the tantrum because now it's just force and force fighting against each other and i caught myself one day and i'm like what are you doing like this like that's not how you want to be quote unquote performing like that's not the result that i'm looking for i can do better than that and thankfully i'm a pretty good coach of myself and um immediately i thought 
if I could channel anyone in anything in those moments, it would be Mr. Rogers. Like just to bring that gentle self to that situation. Because I have a fundamental understanding that we as human beings, we are creative beings. We're oozing with possibility. You know, I didn't come out of the womb a challenging personality type. I mean, I had some things baked inside of me, but I'm not a, I wasn't, I mean, I learned those things because it helped me perform as a coach and a mentor for people. But because I know that, I also know that there's that other side of me that's there too. Because if I can, if I can show up as a challenger, I can also show up as a, as a gentle person too. And the very next day when Sophie had a tantrum and a, and a, you know, blowout, I got down on one knee, just like Mr. Rogers would. And I reached her for her and I pulled her in for a big hug and she melted like eight seconds later, she was done. She was, wasn't upset anymore. And she went off just like every kid does and, you know, go play with something, something else. And that's a perfect example of in that moment, like I talk about the idea of a trapped self and a heroic self, a trapped self is that self where you know that you've got something better inside of you, but it's somehow it's not getting out there. And it's, that's just the feeling you get is it's just, you're trapped. Like there's something that's trapping you. And it's oftentimes it's your mindset could also be traumas from the past or just imposter syndrome or, you know, concerns about what other people are thinking of you, many different forces that the enemy uses. But in that moment, I was, you know, it makes you feel great because in that moment, my heroic self got unlocked. And that's exactly what I want to bring to that moment of impact with, with Sophie. Let me ask you something, Todd, in that moment, though, when your heroic self wins in an arena that isn't the challenger, do you learn from that experience? And is it easier for you to channel it moving forward? Or do you go, do you oftentimes, does the enemy come back with another excuse or another reason for your ego to shine in a different way in that specific moment? Like what? Any and any and all of that. <laughs> all right. You know, the enemy is enemy is very uh, sinister. It uses many different you know, tools to try to stop people. And, and, you know, and I give people the framework in the book on like how to actually talk back to the enemy, give it form and substance, because most people have this kind of merry-go-round effect of conversation in their minds, where it's just going around in a circle with themselves. And, and what I'm doing and giving people as a tool throughout the book and in the work that I do is just to treat it more like a tennis match, right? Where there's duality that exists. There's up, down, inside, outside, hot, cold, and we need to create that in our minds. And so, you know, we have that enemy that's trying to pull you into an ordinary world and it uses that kind of whispering of imposter syndrome or, you know, uh, keeping you in safety and away from that edge of the comfort zone. But that heroic self and the alter ego can be there to talk back at it. And uh, the more that you allow something to stay in the shadows without any form, it's like those movies, the scariest parts of movies, yeah, is when you're not, when you can't see it. You don't, you don't know what the phantom the looks jaws, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the moment it's kind of comes out of the shadows, you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, that's what it looked like. Well, now you know how to defeat it now. And so in the book, I just talk about, you know, giving it a name, talking it back to it and, you know, pushing it back into the shadows so that you can own the court that you're standing on. But yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, will it come back with maybe some sort of other idea or it says, well, that's not really who you are. I mean, now you're just being fake. Really? Like, because if that's the narrative that you have about yourself, then you're always fake. Because by that logic, you're different today than you were about four months ago. So were you fake four months ago when you were, when you're like behaving? Probably not. You, You didn't feel that way, right? We're always unfolding. And so what an alter ego does is it gives you an amazing tool to tap into the creative imagination to allow you to unfold and see more of what you're capable of, which is exactly what we did when we were kids playing these things out, when we were jumping off of the couch as Superman to see what we could do. And we're just trying on these ideas. And so if people really sort of embraced more of the uh, mindset that there is no one definition of who you are, you're the one who gets to decide who and what you are. Most people are just simply walking around, allowing other people to define who they are. I'm trying to give people the power back and act very intentionally in context on a field, a stage, you know, a role or whatever, so that they get the results that they want and are looking for. You know, it's crazy. Uh, So I was a very competitive tennis player growing up. So in tennis, you're the only person on the court. And so, you know, it would always be me against myself. Yeah. Like I was always the person who lost. Like it wasn't because the other person was better than me. It was usually because I just didn't show up the way I was supposed to show up. 
Yeah. So I remember when I started getting into business and entrepreneurship and I had my first you know, kind of just going down the path of trying to figure all this out. Um, I ended up calling, we talked about this a little bit before, but like I had my own name for my yeah. other one. And that was yeah. like, I called him the culprit, but the culprit was literally like a mirror of me. Like, and so anytime I thought about myself making excuses or doing things that I, that like were just coming in the way, yeah, the way I justified it to myself was literally me talking myself out of doing something I want to do. And when I thought of it that way, I was just like, oh my God, I think I'm a pretty clever guy. And so the idea of me talking myself out of something yeah, yeah, yeah. was like the ultimate enemy. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it created this like, this from just from tennis, it just created this like back and forth. And I couldn't agree more on the idea of you growing through life. Like your enemy just keeps growing and changing. Therefore, your alter egos need to grow and change and the things yeah. you try. And it's just, you're, you're playing. Well, well, and the more that you do this, though, what you do is you just, um, uh, you actually start to handle that kind of internal stuff with a lot more grace. Yes. And you recognize that actually just that the enemy that might be there is really just something that just wants safety. It's that kind of inner child that just, you know, is searching for security. And by you, you know, pursuing things that, you know, lie outside the edge of your comfort zone, it's going to just, you know, throw a few things in your way to try and prevent that from happening. And so you can actually handle it with a lot more kit gloves that way. You know, then there's other people who the, the resistance that's coming from them is something that's rooted in a lot of pain for them. And in that case, you can be you can be using a far more stern approach if you want. It's like it's my it's my one great kind of one of my great issues with the kind of personal development and self-help space is because there's so many people that have written books or are out there talking about motivation and inspiration that actually haven't been working with people one-on-one. Yeah. All they're doing is they're just because they have no original idea, because the only way that an original idea can happen is if you're out there doing stuff. Like if you're just sitting there, just consuming other people's information, there is literally zero opportunity for you to create some big breakthrough of an idea. You need to be on the field with people and, and, and actually battling the, the natural challenges that people have. And so they've been just, they've been just sort of pandering the same set, set of ideas that are just don't actually help people move forward. And what I do, and I mean, I'll, I'll go down as I won't be the most popular person in this space because it's impossible for me to do that because I just refuse to pander to the mean because everything is about pulling you into the average, right? And so even in the personal development space, because so many people in that space are so concerned with having the most followers and the most likes. And again, this goes back for a long time. You know, the biggest people in the stadium, the only way that you can make that happen is if you pander to just above the mean, because you can't be breaking someone's complete paradigm. Yeah. Um, Cause some people like the you people in the average, yeah, yeah, the people in the average just, just won't accept it. They want to argue for their own limitations. And so I know that I, won't be one of those people who is the most followed individual. But I, what I do know is that I will put myself up against any human being on the entire planet when it comes to helping people change a hundred percent. And it's not out of ego. It, that's actually not it. It's that because I actually know that I will out care everyone else. This isn't coming from a place of, I want to um, impress people or I'm trying to do it for ego. It's that I know that this is coming from a place of, I care about, truly helping people more than others do because I'm trying to help people get to their own truth. And the only way that you can get there is by being willing to suspend your own beliefs at all times. The moment you start attaching yourself to a belief, you have now just put on a blinder and you're now not pursuing truth anymore. But don't beliefs feel safe and isn't feeling safe an inherent part of living or or like don't you have to balance the art of comfort and the art of driving change and so like when i think about beliefs beliefs are a fundamental part of there might be core values are you differentiating between core values and beliefs or like 100 because they're two vastly different things okay and that's another problem (laughs) because people haven't defined a belief is something that's true for you not true for me truths are different you and i could be walking down the street we both look up into the sky the sky is blue that is a truth okay 
But the moment that you tell me that people that are 23 can't really own a platform of leadership, that's not true. That's a belief that you have. Because yeah. I don't, you know, right? So I'm, so that's just a belief. So I'm, but values are very different. Values are the operational guidance system that each person has. So for me, fairness is a huge value for me. Massively believe in, in fairness and it drives a lot of my, a lot of my behavior. And even like, you know, to someone who would want to dissect what we just talked about, you'd be able to see that what I'm talking about is me honoring the, the value of fairness. I think it's unfair to be propagating ideas over and over and over again that are not rooted in truth, aren't rooted in you actually having an understanding of working with people one-on-one. And so I have a fundamental knowing that if people haven't worked with someone one-on-one, their true level of understanding on that topic is extremely dimmed and muted. Yes. You know, and I've argued this on stages with people. You know, there's there's a lot of books that have been very successful that are written by research-based journal, journalists, and they're good ideas, and they're they're good at maybe toppling someone down the pathway of wanting to consume more of that. But I would never go to that author as an expert to show me how to do it because they don't you know. know. Something, Todd. Yeah. Like, what's the balance then between building something? on your own, like it's like facing these fears, using these tools on your own and really carving a path and then helping others implement it. Like what's the balance with understanding and mastery and learning? There's a difference between athletes and coaches, right? Like there's like, just because someone's a great coach doesn't mean that they were a great athlete. And just because someone's a phenomenal athlete doesn't make them a great coach. Yep. So where does the balance come in? Well, I mean, but you can still be great at coaching people because you're putting in the reps of, you know, being around those, those athletes. Um, I mean, to, to your point, I mean, just because you're a great entrepreneur doesn't mean that you're going to be great at coaching other entrepreneurs on how to do it because yep. that's, an, that's anecdotal, right? That's why for me, it's like, okay, well, I've had my success with this thing, but I want to unpack what all these other people are doing. And so I was maybe a little bit more patient with the process. Like I didn't just come out right away and start marketing something because I'm, I'm terrible at that. That's just not a skill that I have anyway. And so today, because there's this fast food mentality of like now, 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 people want to rush out and start positioning themselves as some sort of expert before they've dove into the nuance of something and really tried to understand it and work with people more on it. So you can yeah. have, you can have some personal success with it and then you can definitely go back and start walking people through your, your kind of way that you did it. But what I would encourage people to do with that process is also always be willing to adjust your system and process because then over time, what happens is only 20% of your process ends up staying inside of the complete system. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not that I'm saying that you can't go out and, and help people because you absolutely can, but it's just to have a mindset of, always wanting to improve and develop it and being, be willing to like let go of old paradigms that might've, you know, ruled um, your, your old kind of process or system in the past. Why do you think succeeding at something using an alter ego feels so good? Well, I think one thing is, is you feel like you've just found your secret superpower. You're not using the weaker force of willpower, which has been kind of bandied around for a long time to battle the force of resistance. You know, so whatever sits behind this force of resistance, whether it's trauma or imposter syndrome or the worries and concerns of what other people are thinking of you and on and on and on, who knows what those puppet strings are for some people. My job isn't to go in there and find them either. That's what therapists are there to do. If I ever was poking around between the six inches of you know, like your ears or whatever, and I found something that was a, you know, a flashpoint, I'm not skilled at helping with that. Someone else is far more skilled than I am. And I would encourage you to go and find that person. Or I would refer you off to any one of the five to seven people that we have as, as great referrals. But everyone's been saying, you know, fight that force of resistance with willpower. Well, willpower is like this, the tiny mouse, you know, staring down at the herd of rumbling elephants coming at it. The unconscious is far more strong than that's, that conscious self. But the creative imagination is this power that's far larger than the resistance is. And so that's what you feel like you've just tapped into is this like, oh, now I've got the secret lightsaber to sort of battle the, the forces of evil or whatever it might be for someone. So there's that 
side of it. There's also the side where momentum is so powerful. So many people are waiting for the confidence to do something, but confidence never comes first. Momentum happens before confidence does. If you really kind of unpack sequencing, momentum happens, then momentum starts to give you confidence. And then confidence gives you the ultimate thing, which is certainty. And when you've got certainty, now it's in your blood, it's in your DNA, it's in your bones. It's just, it's, it's just an inner knowing. I mean, when you have an inner knowing, that is a very, very powerful athlete, a very powerful you know, leader, a very powerful entrepreneur, a very powerful parent. When you just know that you can handle this or whatever it's going to be thrown your way, that's just an amazing place to get to. So that alter ego can give you that momentum. And so that's kind of what you're also kind of cascading as a, you know, like trying to explain inside as well. So, I mean, I've just seen it. I've seen so many people's body language change in an instant when they get mentally engaged with a character, a superhero or whatever, an animal that they are just deeply connected to on the inside. And that emotional connection, that wire that sits there is so important. Without that, without the emotional connection to your alter ego, there is no chance, most likely, of you acting to and through that alter ego, because that's the dividing line between, you know, thought and action. That one link is emotion, right? It's the triune self, the mentally, emotionally, and physical self. Well, the thing that drives action from thought is emotion proven by science. If they've ever done a a biopsy on someone and they accidentally severed that emotional brain from from the logical brain, the person has lost all capability to act on decision. And it's been like proven in, I mean, I'm not saying this as just throwaway statements because again, like I want to honor the fact that this stuff is, is, has been written about and studied in books by, by medical professionals over and over and over again. And so like when you get so connected to the storyline of that alter ego possibly, and it suspends your own storyline and then you can go and act on it. I mean, what a powerful place to be for someone. And that's why it can change someone in an instant. Dude. Oh my God. I, I just want to give you a fat hug right now. Like it's no, cause like the connection between your emotions and the hero you are creating is so powerful. Like I have a, so every morning I sit down and I, I meditate and I journal and I, and I do like the cold shower and all that stuff. And like yeah. when I meditate, I started doing this thing and I got, I'm not even going to take credit for it. I got it from uh, one of my mentors, a guy named Roger Hamilton. And he gave me this, like this, this, way to connect it and it was to create like your hero's house Mm -hmm. so every morning what i would start doing i've been doing this for the past like six months and it is like the biggest game changer for me just because now when i sit there i think about my alter ego or my my hero or the guy i want to be i think about the way he's walking i think about the rooms he's walking into like the way he feels when he steps like the feng shui of the house he's living in and then all of a sudden, that's that emotional piece. And I have never heard anybody explain it the way you just did. Like, <laughs> light bulb's going off in my head right now, man. Yeah. Like, this makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, uh, you can thank the uh, thousands of other clients that came before this conversation <laughs> where I've had to, like, you know, articulate it in a way that's meaningful for people. But yeah, I mean, I get, I'm excited about the idea, not because again, I didn't invent the idea. This is something that's just living inside of all of us. And I even say that in the book where it's like, you know, that's why I, I'm a, I can be a passionate purveyor of this is that I look at this, you know, next sort of 20 year phase of just, rem- this is a remembering for people. Like I'm trying to bring people back to that, not childish state, but that childlike imagination that, you know, really does help you to navigate life. And I'd say just on a couple of points that you just brought up is one, that hero you're trying to be is that really a more powerful way of thinking about this. And that's why in chapter three of the book, I kind of talk when I have that model where I'm building up the framework so that people can understand just the layers of, of how we get shaped is that that core hero is already inside. What the alter ego does is it helps to chip away through those layers to actually reveal it so that you can recognize it. Not, it's not for other people. You know, it's that you can go out and help other people, I guess, but it's for you to get connected with it on the inside. And so just like, you know, Michelangelo is carving out David, that's all the arc, the alter ego is carving out that heroic self so that you can finally see it. And then you get to that point, 
for that quote that I talk about from Cary Grant in the book, you know, the famous kind of golden era Hollywood um, actor, where he says, I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be, or I became that person, or I, and I finally became that person, or he became me, or we met at some point. So I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be, and I finally became that person, or he became me, or we met at some point. Mm-hmm. And for him, he's known as being charismatic, very debonair, came from a poor family over in Bristol, England, and uh, you know moved to America, made it in Hollywood and everything, and really battled with depression and sort of a lot of self-defeating thoughts throughout his life. But he navigated that and he became that person that he most visioned in his mind when he was a young kid. The only thing I would change about that was instead of pretended, and the term that I like using people is I activated somebody I wanted to be. And I finally became that person. And so for people playing with this idea is if you think of like a two circle Venn diagram, so you got two circles, they're not overlapping all the way. There's just a little bit that's overlapping and you have this sort of current existence for yourself. It's the current reality that's getting the current results for you. And there is this tension because you actually know that you've got more capability to possibly do something else. Like you're just, there's something that's stopping you resistance, or you have this ideal vision and you're talking about that with that, you know, the way that you're kind of visualizing it in your own mind. Maybe you just, you're having a tough time doing this thing on your own. But what the alter ego does is over time, at some point in time, you're going to stop and you're going to be like, wait a second, today, I literally did all the things that I was finding challenging to do five months ago. And I wasn't even doing it as my alter ego. You became the person that you most wanted to be. So now you're unconsciously competent. You're now doing it on your own without even you having to actualize it with yourself mentally. A total hack, man. I think that's what impressed me most about the book. And, um, you know, my favorite part of the book was just the idea that you can show up and what's connecting for me now, just after hearing you talk about it, is when you have your core hero self inside you, create these alter egos in different field of plays and different yeah. aspects of life. You're essentially chipping away at this like behemoth that's inside you. Mm-hmm. You're another piece that excites you. And then when you start to just do things that excite you, you start to, it's almost like a compass. It's almost like resistance becomes a compass. And then the things you want to do becomes a compass. And then you're constantly just using these compasses to chip away at a better version of yourself or a a truer version of yourself, if you would, until one day you're a walking, talking, speaking, dancing, whatever version of the person you've always wanted to be. And, and, and what I'm, and, and the message of it all is like, that person was already inside of you. You know, my job is to, my job when working with people is to just peel those layers back so you can see it for yourself. Um, uh, so my fundamental mindset, and it's an important mindset to have is for me anyway, is that a lot of people come to folks and think that they're broken and want to fix them. And I think that you're already, you're already fixed. You're, you're already whole. My job is to just peel away and remove and subtract and delete and remove the stuff that just, you don't need to carry around anymore. Mm. And it's, you know, so one of the tools that we use is an alter ego to help make that happen. Yeah. What other tools do you use? Many. I mean, a long-term strategy that is completely, um, you've already kind of referenced it, but you know, I was talking about meditation in 97 when yoga wasn't even cool for crying out loud. Um, uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, trying to get athletes to do meditation back then was, uh, well, you kind of sounded woo woo, but for me, it was just, it was pragmatic. I mean, if you want to increase your strength in your biceps, you're going to do bicep curls. You're going to do some sort of exercise that's going to, you know, increase the load on your bicep. Well, the number one complaint in athletics would be typically around focus and concentration skills. And so, well, where does that sit? Well, that sits in the frontal lobe area, the newest part of our brain, that rational part of our brain. What can I do to give people a bicep curl for the frontal lobe? Well, meditation. It's just you can't argue with the fact that that is the absolute best way to develop focus and concentration skills. And so, you know, I had a very different process than to help people develop that than some of the, you know, more common meditative practices, but that's one of them. That's a, that was my long-term strategy was to deliver that with people and get that into their routine. You know, 
So I became more known for the person that got called, you know, four days before an event when someone was maybe slumping or they were, you know, had a really important event and nerves, jitters or whatever. And so I needed to have a set of tools that would work also quickly. And meditation doesn't typically work that quickly to help overcome something for someone. But an alter ego was my go-to for that. And then scripting is another powerful process that I you know, would teach people. Is that writing? Yeah, it's, it's writing it out, but it's writing it out in the present tense. And so everyone talks about the importance of visualization, right? And imagery skills. My problem with uh, that, the phrase is that it makes people think that visualization with the purposes of creating intent is very easy. And it's not. It is a skill you have to develop. Like to actually direct your mind towards something that you want to be creating and creating a visual image that immerses you inside of it is something that's quite difficult. Now, we do it all day long. Now, we are already doing it and we do it all the time. But to start directing it, it's challenging for people because some people, when they're creating their you know mental movie, might not believe that they can do it or have a t- hard time just creating the picture. And so that is preference. I'm an auditory person. It's way easier for me to use sound to start creating the movie in my head than it is the pictures. What does that mean? Okay, so if I said to you, I want you to imagine walking into a room and seeing a group of people that you respect the faces of them standing around and and they're all standing around in hushed tones talking about you so that's me first starting off by creating a picture instead for me it's far easier for me to think in the context of i'm a fly on a wall and i'm listening to raj and peter talk about me so like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to navigate in through the ear rather than through the eye for mm-hmm. someone. And many people are like that. It's actually easier for a lot of people to actually hear what other people would be saying about them than see them talking about them. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. So in, in scripting, you know, so A, visualization can be challenging. What scripting does, A, it slows down the mind's processing. Because the moment you start writing something out and putting you know, words in your mind onto paper, you need to slow down because you can think way faster than you can write. So for me, it's about slowing down the visualization process for someone as they're writing out the event that they're going to be going and maybe competing in or presenting at. So if you're someone who's going to be going on stage and presenting at an event or you've got a big presentation at work, it would sound something like, you know, as I approach the room, I feel this growing sense of anticipation and confidence because I know that I've prepared the right presentation for the people in the room. Plus, because I'm so well prepared, I know that I'm ready for whatever question comes my way. And when my door hits the handle and I walk inside and I see all the friendly faces waiting for me, just again, my confidence starts to grow. And, and, and actually, I, I feel this internal sensation of feeling more and more relaxed as I do. And uh, I put my laptop down on the table or my bag down on my chair and I walk around and as I greet each person, I can, um, I can get this sense that this is a great group to be with in that moment. Anyway, so that's, you're just, and if you're writing it out, you can sink into it far easier. Yeah. And remember, like when it comes to performance in the context of performance, the more you create familiarity with your mind of an event the chances of you actualizing that event go up because when situations occur and the mind starts trying to track, what do I do in this situation? And if it doesn't have a prepared response, it'll default into whatever your natural, you know, sort of personality or, or emotional reaction. So if you're someone who's shy, then you'll retract away. Or if you're someone that is, gets, you know, hyper apologetic, then you're just going to apologize yourself out of it. And that, and then you end up feeling trapped, right? That's that trapped self. Cause that's not what you wanted. That's not how you wanted to show up. So anyway, scripting is one of those other things that, you know, we do. And there's, you know, tons of other tools that I've got in the old bag. So dude, I kind of just want to sit down at the one point and just like go down the rabbit hole on visualization. Cause that's, that was, that was fun for me to listen to dude, Todd. I, I wanted to thank you, man. This uh, past hour has been 
phenomenal. And I'm, I'm grateful that I got to dive into your mind and, and get a better understanding of the book. Guys, for everybody listening, it's the alter ego effect. We'll make all these links available mm-hmm. uh, for you. And I, I cannot recommend it enough. It is a great read with lots of practical strategies. Well, here's what I know. I know the book will be in every single human being's hands at some point in time. So why delay it? Why, why not just go into it now? <laughs> You're, you're going to have to get it anyway. And, and again, it's because I'm trying to be an advocate for something that is already inside of you. And I'm trying to give you the tools to help, you know, bring that thing out so that, you know, if nothing else, people act with a little bit more even playfulness and fun with um, the process. Because that's also something that's ready and willing to be triggered through this whole kind of process as well. I love it, dude. I got one last question for you, Todd. Yeah. Um, in the midst of everything you've been through and everything you're going yeah. to be achieving in your life, how do you stay grounded? How do I stay grounded? Um, I have got a uh, a network of friends that would never let me climb on top of a a, a pedestal anyway. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Canadian, and uh, Canadians are are pretty good at joking around and uh, and rubbing each other. So that's one thing. And secondly. It is keeping myself rooted in one of the biggest reasons why I like to do anything, which is um, for something that's a larger, anything, anytime you can serve something that's a larger purpose than you, that's, that's what can humble you. And I am honored to have the last name that I have because I come from two parents that are incredible people. And so it's important for me to continue to honor the legacy of the Herman name. And uh, so that's another way that I keep myself grounded is that. Beautiful, dude. Beautiful. Well, everybody, you've got a couple fans of the Herman name right now. So <laughs> thank you again, Todd. I really appreciate Thanks, your time, brother. But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your friend, Todd. And from us, Stay Grounded. Chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.